Now, before you sit down, would you just tell someone happy 4th of July? Welcome to church. Good to see you. You're looking like a firecracker today. That was bad. I admit it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again for anyone who's the first timer here at Velocity. We want you to know that this is for everyone. We believe that God is going to speak to you today in a mighty way. And you might notice if you've come in for a while, it's a little different today. We got five people up on the platform and not just one. We have five communicators who are going to bring the word of God to you today in a mighty, mighty way. And each one of them lead uh, on one of our teams. Teams are the things at Velocity that makes the mission possible. And so we are so thankful for our teams at Velocity. And I don't, I don't want to miss this moment to honor our teams because uh, it's a holiday weekend. Today is a holiday and they could have, they could, you could team, you could be doing anything else, traveling anywhere else, but they chose to serve you today. They chose to get up at 6 a.m. and make the worship atmosphere happen that God could move in. They chose to come and not just look after your kids, but tell them that they have a hope in a future, that they're meaningful, that they're worthwhile when a world that says they aren't worth anything. And they, they have, they're the people who got here to make sure you're a caffeinated. Everyone said a good amen to that. These are the people that are pouring out their lives so you could hear the message today. So let's just honor our teams one more time. We show honor at Velocity. And I'm believing God's promise of those who refresh others will be refreshed. I'm believing that over our teams today, that you will be refreshed this holiday weekend. Thank you for serving. And in the spirit of We Show Honor, that's one of our culture points, something we value here at Velocity. We are going to show honor today to these five. And maybe you've given a presentation at work. Maybe you've uh, uh, given presentation at school or whatever it may be. Maybe you've even spoken at church before. You know it's nerve-wracking. You know what they're feeling right now. You know that maybe they might be discouraged right now. But I just want to uh, just fill this room up with encouragement and fill this room up with faith, what God would speak through these five. I've listened to it, I think, four times now, and I've gotten something new every time. It's, it's truly remarkable what God has done in their lives. And so I just, in the spirit of honor, would you just lift, your, or, or lift up a, a, a honor and put your hands together for these five as they're coming up. Well, good morning, Velocity. Well, if this is your first time, I just want to say welcome home. This is a great church, and I want to show honor where honors do. If we could just honor our pastors a little bit, give them a hand. We have great pastors here. Well, my name is Zach Schrader, and I serve on the online team. I'm the online director. Yeah. And so today we were asked to kind of give our verse and how it's impacted our life. And so my verse, we could all probably say it, is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. See, to unpack this, I'm going to kind of tell you my testimony and how, what my faith journey has looked like over the past several years. So coming to college, I grew up going to church, but it was always something I had to do and never something I, was, I got to do. But coming to college, that all changed for me. So I came to school with one of my good buddies from back home, but it was at college where we became really good friends, and it was December 15th of 2017. It was a Friday, and I drove home that morning. It was after finals week, going home for Christmas, 
and my buddy left that evening after work, and he was driving home, and he was about an hour and a half into the drive, and a semi-driver had fallen asleep and crossed the center white line, hit my friend head on, and he passed away on the scene of the crash. And so it was at his funeral, I was talking to his mom, and I gave her a hug, and she said, Zach, you were Andrew's guardian angel while you were in Lawrence. He didn't have many friends, but he always talked about the time you guys spent together. And it was in that moment, I was like, there has to be something more than just what I'm trying to hold on to. And that was my first real instance with a faith lifer, and that's when I started to press in. So the second semester, I started going to church more often, came to Velocity for the first time, and absolutely just fell in love with it, the pastors and just everybody I felt at home here. And so that summer, I then moved to Beijing, China um, to work in a hospital over there, and it was, I felt so isolated. Um, I didn't have a good community, and so I just want to point out how great it is to have a good community. So if you're not in a group, make sure you join a group. But, and then coming back from that, it, my life with Christ kind of stayed stale that whole sophomore year, but that summer after my sophomore year, I'd be going to Kaleo, which is a summer project, nine weeks in Gulf Shores, Alabama, with just a ton of Christians, good faith, um, people pouring into you, you pouring into other people to just really develop your faith. And so it was about three weeks before I was about to go down. I was um, studying for finals, and I noticed this mole on the back of my neck, pointed out to my mom, and she was like, it's just a mole, leave it alone. I was like, all right, whatever. And so I'm studying for finals, and I'm just so stressed about finals. I'm in 19 credit hours, um, applying for medical school, and just a really tough time in my, in my life, and so I didn't really worry about it. But it was my last final of the week, my genetics exam, and you take the exam, and it's by yourself, and then you wait a little bit, and you take a group test, but it's all in the same two-hour window. And I remember sitting in Butig 110, and I was, just got done with my individual portion, and my worry from the finals just immediately switched to this mole on my neck. And in the middle of my test, I pulled my shirt up and just cried and just plead out to God in the middle of Butig 110. And so it was in there, I was like, I, I just need to get down and pray. And so finals were over, and I went to Gulf Shores, Alabama after I got my mole removed on the back of my neck. So I'd been down there for about a week, and I get a call from my doctor. I'm working at Banana Republic. And I'm in our lunchroom. It was more like the restock room, or I like to call it the prison cell. And so I'm sitting there eating my lunch, and I get a call from my doctor, and she's like, hey, like, the results didn't come back great. You have um, melanoma. And so my parents were overseas, so I just felt so isolated once again and flashed back to China. And so I had to move home back to Independence, Kansas, and then I then moved to MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, and a short week after that, where I was diagnosed with stage three melanoma. And so I had my first appointments on the 17th and surgery on the 19th. And in that moment, I knew that I could either be so frustrated with God, like, God, why, why me? And I remember James 1, and it's in your trials and tribulations where God will test you. And I remember in that time, this year that lay ahead of me of treatment, radiation, and surgery, it's like I could either be upset or I could use this time and really changed my life. Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention is I was diagnosed on June 4th, 4th, which was also my 21st birthday. So I was like, God, thank you for this present of <laughs> cancer. It's really thoughtful of you. But no, so, but in that moment, I remember thinking, this time I can either turn my worry, and I turned it into worship, 
And there was this pastor one time, I was listening to a sermon, and it's kind of cheesy, but it was like two weeks after I was diagnosed with cancer, and he was like, God doesn't answer to email, he answers an email. And so I was like, oh, come on, somebody. And so I prayed my way through that year so much. And then my doctors also told me, I was like, hey, you're going to have to stay for the MCAT, like, and class and tests. You, you don't want to do this. Like, you need to focus on your health. And I was like, you know what? Like, you don't know the God in me. Because the God in me is bigger than anything in front of me, any challenge in front of me. But it, it was in those deep days where the day before I had to go in for treatment, the day of treatment, or the day after treatment, where I just kind of felt down and no strength. And I remember thinking, like, this isn't, I cannot do this from my strength. I can't go to the gym and rep it out and gain strength from this. But I can freely ask God for strength, like it said in Philippians 4.13, that he willingly gives me the strength. So when I had the needle in my arm getting my drip, I just remember thinking, God, give, give me strength right now. I need this. And so I don't know where you are today. But if you're in a deep valley, it might not have been a diagnosis or the loss of a friend, but maybe the loss of a job, a struggling relationship. Just know that God meets you halfway. It's going to take a little worry. It's going to take a little worship. And it's going to take a whole lot of on your knees praying. But one more thing is Psalms 32a, and it says, I, referring to God, will guide you along the best pathway for your life. And this story that God has written me is not my story, but it's his story, and he's using me as an endeavor for this story. And so each story is perfectly crafted for you. So remember that whenever you're struggling, that God, this is my story. Yes, it may not be what I want it to be right now, but you're testing me, and you will show in me. And so this time, this can either be a breakdown or a breakthrough for you in your season. So let's make this a breakthrough because we're all here today with air in our lungs, so we've, just, we've survived 100% of our worst days. So thank you so much for letting me share today, and God bless. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Okay, um, my name is Albert, so I serve in the youth, one of the leaders. Any young people in the house? <laughs> okay, I'm from Malaysia, so if you have no idea where is Malaysia, Malaysia is located in Southeastern Asia. Malaysia is bordered by Brunei, Indonesia, Thailand, and South China Sea. We came to Lawrence in January 2021. During winter, it was great. <laughs> my family and I are here because of my wife is going back to school at KU. The verse that um, strengthens me in this season of life is um, taken from the Psalm 46 verse 10. It says, be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Before we moved to Lawrence, my life was opposite of still. In Malaysia, I was a real estate agent. For 12 years, um, my life has been revolved around meeting new people, dealing with clients, planning things, doing this and doing that for 12 years. On repeat, nonstop. When we moved to Lawrence, 
my life changed drastically. I'm doing my real estate agent online. Suddenly, there is no new people to meet, no clients to deal with, nothing to plan. On repeat for several months, instead of feeling relaxed and at rest, this new environment and new life led me into anxiety, worry, stress, and unstable emotions. The worst was that I started to doubt God's plan for us here. God's ways, words, and plans suddenly didn't make sense. I felt regret. I was angry and bitter toward God and the things around me. Until one day I could hear a voice saying that, what happened with you, Albert? This is not you. This is not who you are. You know that He is God. You just need to be still. That voice led me to repentance. I repented. I remember my first coffee with Pastor Andrew. We were talking about a book, and he mentioned a verse that um, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. That verse refreshed me. I learned to be still and learn to trust God again. Praise the Lord. I have nothing only but my Bible and my guitar. It is definitely my only weapon against whatever was going through. God's Word, our prayer, our praise and worship. The Word of the Lord strengthens and sustains me. His presence refreshes me every single day. Our daily worship with our two boys can be chaotic, but in His presence, I am refreshed. And... I know and believe that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. No matter what happens in this life, I learned that God is never wrong. His ways are higher. I know and believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living here in Lawrence with beautiful people in this church. So... If you find yourself feeling anxious, having worries and burden, remember to be faithful and be still. God is at work. His words and promises never return empty. He will do what He says. He is faithful. He knows what He is doing. He is God and He is good. It is written in the scriptures that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good morning, Velocity Church. My name is Sadie Barbie, and I serve as a leader on the worship team here. And oh, thank you. This is very different than getting up here to sing, so bear with me. Uh, the verse I want to share today is Philippians 1, 20 and 21. And it says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
I have been clinging to this verse over the past year, so much so that I got a word of it tattooed on my body here. But before I go any further, I just want to say that Paul is a G. Paul is so dope. Am I right? Every time I read anything of his, I am so strongly convicted. But what he says in this verse I want to focus on today is the fact that he has earnest expectations. Paul is in prison here, awaiting a death sentence, yet he is still earnestly and eagerly expecting Christ to get the glory no matter the outcome, whether he lives or dies. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That same verse in the message translation says this, alive I am Christ's messenger, dead I am his bounty, life versus even more life, I cannot lose. Now, I know we're not all in life or death situations, but it is the principle of what Paul is saying. In his circumstances, he is literally awaiting death, yet he is steadfast in his expectations, knowing God is going to get the glory. So why can't I, in my personal hardships, hold myself to the same standard? Why does every inconvenience in my life make me question God's motives? If we were to go back in time and you were to ask 17-year-old Sadie what her dream was, she would tell you she was, wanted to go to the University of Southern California in Los Angeles and study to become a journalist. Yes, very different from where I am now. Needless to say, that door closed for me. And I ended up going to KU. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, but two days in, I dropped out for many personal reasons. Another door closed. And then I realized that my dream wasn't journalism, it was theater. I didn't want it to just be my hobby, I wanted it to be my career. I wanted to be on Broadway, and I wanted to perform and be a star and live in New York City. So I began studying and working and building my resume and doing different productions, and then I got the chance to audition for the New York Conservatory of Dramatic Arts in New York City. This was it. So I auditioned, and I got in, and then I couldn't afford to go. <laughs> Another door closed. And for me, that felt like rock bottom. I was at my lowest at that point, and I was so angry with God. I was so confused. I was like, God, this was it. This is what we've been working for. I don't understand. Why, why isn't this working out for me? And as I was crying, weeping on my bathroom floor, I remember God telling me, Sadie, get up. You are not staying here. And so then he presented to me a YOM creatives base in London, England. And then I realized, oh, this is where you want me to be. So I began prepping for that. I began praying and working and saving money, getting my visa, finding fundraising, all this kind of stuff. And as I was about to board my flight the next day to go to London, boom, global pandemic. Another door closed. So in all of these moments of doors closing and opportunities not happening and these inconveniences and, and the moments where I felt like I was at rock bottom, I realize now if I had just refocused my expectations, I would have been able to get through it easier and faster knowing God was going to get the glory. But if we go back to the verse, Paul didn't just have expectations, he had earnest expectations. Earnest means sincere, wholehearted, honest, and genuine. Paul was genuinely expecting for the king, not for him. I realized that I had so much expectancy, but it was all for me and not for God. I was saying, what can God do for me versus what can I do for God? How can God change me versus how can I change the world through and for God? 
Now, I'm not saying that personal spiritual growth isn't important because it is, but we shouldn't stop there. And we shouldn't want to stop there. We should want God to mold us to fit into his purpose, not us trying to fit God into ours. We should strive to live earnest, genuine, wholehearted lives, expecting God to get the glory in everything that we do. That is having earnest expectations. Now, the Greek word for earnest expectation is apokaradokia, which is what is tattooed on my arm here. And the definition literally means strained expectancy. If we break down the word apo means away from, kara means head, and dokia means thinking. It's literally head outstretched away from this. It's properly thinking forward, not inward. It's not expecting for me, it's expecting for the king. Because when we expect for the king, we always get the blessings. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all this will be added to you. If we look at the bridge of the Maverick City Gyra song, it says, if he dresses the lilies in beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? If he watches over the sparrow, how much more does he love you? The thing is, is God did take me to London. And not only did I grow in my creativity and who I am as a musician and a performer, I learned how to create with God and for God. And I got to grow in my walk and really get to understand my identity as a child of Christ. And then I also gained a whole new beautiful Christian family in the base over in London. When you begin expecting for God, he will show you the true desires of your heart. And the thing is, is God wants to give you what you want but you have to want God first. Thank you. We're going old school with some paper today. First of all, good morning, Velocity. It's so good to see you. Um, and also for our friends joining in online, it's good to see you as well. Um, my name is Bryce Stoudemire, and I have been going to Velocity and serving on the host team for a little over two years now. Um, where I serve as the host coordinator, so shout out to all the people in the red shirts right now. Um, so I, today I want to take about five minutes this morning to talk about roots. And uh, given that I'm currently a PhD student uh, in bioengineering, uh, I have to bring a little science into this sermon and nerd out a bit, so uh, bear with me. Um, so what are roots? Uh, roots are a major organ within vascular plants, and they have three main purposes. Um, first is absorbing water and minerals, um, in which roots are actually specialized to increase their surface area in a way that they're able to optimally uptake water and dissolve minerals. Uh, second, they help to anchor and support the plants as the root system helps to anchor them in the ground while being able to grow tall without toppling over. And lastly, they help with storing food that is produced by the leaves during photosynthesis. Um, and this is imperative and survival for these plants, especially in um, bad seasons like the winter um, when sunlight is more scarce. And this is all done beneath the ground, in the dirt, in the darkest of places. So now let you, me tell you a little bit about my roots. So from about the age of about 9 to 13 years old, I was morbidly obese. And I was at the lowest of lows when it came to my spiritual mental, emotional, and physical health. I got to the point where I didn't even want to leave the house because I could just constantly feel the stares, the laughs, the little jokes in the background, and the constant judging. I would even cry myself to sleep most nights 
and had thoughts roaming through my mind that had no business sifting through anyone's mind, and especially an adolescent boy. And I would even question God, why me? Why, why couldn't I be like all the other little boys? And uh, I stand here today as a transformed young man, and I know why now. Because God, deep beneath the surface, God was beginning to grow root from a single seed, which is done in the darkest and most pressed of places. And he was growing me and developing my stability and foundation so that I could bear more and more fruit. Because with root comes fruit. And these roots had not only provided me with outward growth and stability, as the main two purposes of roots are, but they were able to continue to feed me even in my worst seasons, just like the third job of roots. So what's the root to your problem? If there is one question I could leave you with today that you would think and pray on, that is, what's the root to your problem? And I wasn't planning on using another alternative verse, but um, Zach already hit at it already, but um, I think God has just been moving me in these past couple days and wanted me to share this with you. Um, and it just resonates with what I'm trying to get at. So it comes from James 1, 2 through 4 when it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trial of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow, that's good. <laughs> As with God, um, my greatest Growth, the most important roots, have all stemmed and manifested from my worst problems involved in these momentary but not permanent situations. So we must embrace and find joy in our trials because these works are developing roots that we may not be able to see right now. But they are maturing us and ensuring that we are complete for our intended purpose. Because in the momentary for me, the problem in trial was my weight. But in the indefinite, God grew the grew the root of discipline. The problem was insecurity, but God grew the root of strength. The problem was depression. The root was compassion. Roots, roots, roots. What's the root to your problem? Please say that to your neighbor right now. To your left, to your right. Say it in the chat right now. Why not? Thank you, thank you, thank you. How is God moving in your life right now, in this season, to prepare you for your purpose? You might ask, Bryce, how do I get from my problem to the root? And that is through your trust in God. As with our trust in God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we're able to see what roots God is developing in our lives from the problems that we face today. And then we're able to water and flourish these roots, not with anger, complaints, and bitterness, but with trust and faith. But we are never done. As God will continue to develop these roots, and with more roots come more fruit. And we want to bear all the fruit that God has for us, for our future, and for our purpose. As in Jeremiah 29, 11, he has plans for us. Even before you were ever born, he had plans for us. Plans to prosper you and I, not to harm us, but plans to give you and I a hope and a new future. Roots, 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 leading to your plan, my plan, and our plan. So let me leave you here with this question again. I don't know what season you are going through right now, but I would just ask and challenge you to not ask, ask why you have to go through whatever you're going through right now, but instead ask how is this going to help grow 
and nurture you for your fruit, your promise God has for you. So again, what is the root to your problem? Thank you. Well, hello, I'm Kathy Weld, and I get to serve on the visioneering team. Um, yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, yes, yes, visioneering team is great. You should be on the visioneering team. It's wonderful. Well, a couple of years ago, um, I opened a coffee shop, Zeb's Coffee House, and people are often asking me, so who's Zeb? Well, Zeb is my dog, and he's a pretty great dog, but his name is significant to me. See, Zeb is short for Zerubbabel. Can you all say that with me? It's so much fun to say. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. I want you to experience the joy of saying that word this morning. So fun. Well, Zerubbabel was the man that was charged with rebuilding the Jewish temple. You see, the, God's people had been living in captivity for 70 years. 70 years. And then finally, a new king came to power and said, hey, y'all can go home and build your temple if you'd like. And so there was this sense of excitement and encouragement that they were so happy that their prayers had been answered, that they were going to be able to go back and have a place to worship the Lord again. Have you ever longed for something with what, for what felt like forever? And then finally, you could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, they got back to work right away, but it wasn't long before they started running into obstacles. There was the physical labor and work that was required to rebuild a temple from rubble. There were the political issues and financial struggles and just keeping everyone motivated and moving towards the same goal. It just kept getting harder and harder and harder. Have you ever felt like what you thought was the light at the end of the tunnel was actually like another train barreling at you? The world around us tells us that we just have to hustle. Work harder and it can be done. Put in more hours. Work all the angles. Push. Fight. Just do it. And to an extent, yes, you absolutely need to put in the work to get the results you want, to achieve the things that God is calling you to do. But there comes a point when it's no longer about just working hard and being obedient to God's call, but it starts to become about us and forcing our way and our will. Zechariah was a prophet that was sent by the Lord to speak to Zerubbabel. And my life verse is Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength. But by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Zerubbabel was trying to just muscle the temple into existence rather than trusting the true source of strength, God's spirit. I'm great at working hard. Anybody else out there with me that like you can just work hard? I can, if you keep me caffeinated, I can go all day long, which is very convenient given I work at a coffee shop. Uh, easy to come by. But I can also be like Zerubbabel. I can see the obstacles that need to be overcome, and I can start strategizing and pulling together resources and just work and work and work to power through it on my own and then start to approach burnout and 
begin to think about just throwing in the towel and thinking that it isn't possible to do it at all. Anyone else with me ever felt like that? But God said to Zerubbabel, it's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit. I've had this verse on my wall. I named my dog Zeb to remind me of it. I named my business after my dog to remind me of this word from God. When our heart is longing for that thing that is not yet here, it's so tempting to rely on our own force, on our own strength, to work with all our might, to accomplish it by our own power. When I face the obstacles of accomplishing what God has called me to, I can get stuck in just trying to power through and then wondering if I'm really cut out for it. When staffing shortages lead me to working a crazy number of hours, I wonder if I have the strength. When supply chain issues keep us from ordering the basic supplies we need to keep serving our customers, I try to force another product to work in its place. When I lose everything in the freezer twice in the same month, I try, I get discouraged, and then I start to wonder if I really have the strength to keep going. I opened my business to be a way to connect with the community, to be a way to generate the funds and the resources to meet the needs in our community and to give back, to do kingdom work. But there comes a time in anything worthwhile where the obstacles start to accumulate. Running a hospitality business the last year and a half has not been easy. There have been a lot of challenges one after the other. And I can identify with Zerubbabel, and maybe you can too, that I had longed for discovering that unique calling that God had for my life. And when I did, I had so much enthusiasm. But there comes a point that those obstacles just build up and build up and build up. And while we don't stop working hard, we're humbled to recognize that we can't do it on our own because it's not by force nor by strength, but it's by his spirit. Come on, can we keep giving them a big hand? Honor them today. Well, we never want to leave this moment the end of our services without giving an opportunity to respond. And so maybe you're here today. You're here uh, and you feel like the obstacles that are in front of you have always been bigger than the God that's inside of you. Maybe you feel like uh, you're in this moment of stillness, but you've never felt the stillness that God wants you to, to experience. And maybe it's all of your expectations have been riding on you. Everything has been on what you think and what you can feel, but it's not an earnest expectation of what God can do through you. Or maybe it's you've never been truly rooted in the power of Jesus. You've never been rooted in what God has for you in your life. Or maybe you're exhausted. You've been running and you've been running. And you've been running, and you, and you really haven't had the strength of the Holy Spirit come upon your life. 
This is your moment. This is your moment where you can declare Jesus is Lord, that you can surrender everything to the God who loves you. And so I want to give you that opportunity right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you even feel the, the presence of God coming on you right now to remind you that you're loved, that you've never been forsaken, forgotten, or lost, but that your Father's been standing on that horizon this whole time just waiting for this moment where you could turn, where you could turn back to him and experience true life. If that's you this morning, and you're believing that in your heart, you've made the transition from knowledge to belief, I want to invite you to use that belief to speak out loud right now, your faith. Speak out this new faith that you have in God and in Jesus.